Good morning. Welcome to the Tuesday edition of Jacksonville's Morning News. My name is Kevin Rafuse, filling in for Rich Jones today. And we're actually going to have a little bit of a different half hour here at 830 with Florida's primary coming up on August 30th. We are continuing to sp- we are continuing to spotlight all of the races, we are, uh, state attorneys, public defenders, and District 4. If you missed our District 4 spotlights last week at WOKV.com, uh, you can check them out right now on the homepage, all our District 4 spotlights. But right now we are focusing on on the state attorney's race. And with that, I am joined in studio right now by Melissa Nelson. She is obviously running for state attorney here in Florida. It is the, the state attorney's race in full swing. But Melissa, first off, thank you for joining us here in studio today. We appreciate your time. Thank you for having me. So I guess the first question is, you know, state attorney's race, it's been rather heated so far between you, between Angela and Wes. We got a real interesting race coming up in Florida on the August 30th primary. So I guess, first of all, you know, what makes you uniquely qualified? Let's talk about you. What makes you uniquely qualified to be the state attorney and really why now in 2016 is this a position that you're seeking well it's time it's time for our community to have a change Um, what makes me uniquely qualified I have the experience to do the job I spent 12 years as a prosecutor and while there I worked in every corner of the office tried lots of cases um, investigated thousands of cases and I've been in the private sector for the last seven years and that experience in the private sector actually makes me very uniquely qualified. Um, in private practice, I've dealt with multi-million dollar budgets for our clients and had to make sure that we met budget down to the dollar. That's an important set of experience that I'll bring to the table, and that distinguishes me from the current incumbent who's been in office for eight years. So I guess in terms of the budget then, how much of a priority is that in the state attorney's office, and how would you prioritize it? The budget is incredibly important to our community and how resources are deployed. And in fact, one of the reasons that brings me to this race is that I believe our community, frankly, has lost confidence in our current state attorney. And in part, that's because of her use of operating dollars to enrich herself. Um, She used a quarter of a million tax dollars, which were part of her operating budget. So resources that she could have used to deploy to make us safer. Instead, she used her for herself um, to buy a pension upgrade and to make herself richer. So I think management of resources in the budget is absolutely a priority of any elected official and certainly of the state attorney's office when the mission of the state attorney's office is public safety. So the management and the deployment of financial resources in a way that makes our community safer and the criminal justice system run more more efficiently um, should be a top priority of the state attorney, and it will be a top priority of mine. So Florida's death penalty, we we know, is in limbo right now with some with courts ruling it unconstitutional. So a number of cases who have already or have already been convicted and have been given the death penalty are kind of in limbo right now. I guess in the meantime, what should happen if it's ultimately ruled unconstitutional? So if the death penalty gets struck down, what do you think should happen to those pending cases? Well, I don't suspect that the death penalty will be determined um, unconstitutional, at least in the near future. And ultimately, should the United States Supreme Court ever deem the death penalty unconstitutional, your question about retroactivity would also be determined by the courts. That that wouldn't be a decision made by me personally or by any um, sitting state attorney. That would be determined by um, the courts. So what I guess in terms of the death penalty itself, what's the personal standard that you use when if you begin to seek the death penalty? 
It's not a matter of the personal standard I use. It's a matter of applying the law. So Florida statutes um, inform and instruct decisions of application of the death penalty. And those decisions are reached by looking at aggravating circumstances versus mitigating circumstances, certainly taking into consideration the sentiment and the um, desires of the victim's family. But it's really not a matter of personal sentiment. It's a matter of law. I pledge as state attorney to always follow the law. The death penalty is reserved for the most heinous, atrocious, and cruel murders. It's the most serious undertaking of the office of the state attorney, and obviously it needs to be applied very responsibly and judiciously. Um, I I did that as a former state attorney, and I intend to do that um, as the elected state attorney. And I want to talk about an issue that, well, that you've been involved in, and that's trying youth as adults. Now, one of your more famous cases is when you defended 12-year-old Christian Fernandez on charges of murdering his two-year-old half-brother. Now, he was being charged as an adult. You famously defended him. So I guess what the question becomes, you know, where do you stand on trying youth as adults, and what type of guidelines do you think there need to be? Again, the guidelines regarding treating juveniles as adults and filing them in adult court are determined by our, our laws. Uh, but the discretion and the judgment of the state attorney obviously comes into play in those decisions. One of the focuses of our campaign has been um, alternative forms of sentencing where appropriate. And that's not just for juveniles, but for example, for veterans um, or for mental health issues. So across the board, we need to be smarter in how we apply punishment and we need to avail ourselves to every extrajudicial alternative form of sentencing that we can because it's fiscally responsible and it's smarter for our community. So as that relates to juveniles, I'm committed to using alternative forms of sentencing for youth who are amenable to reform. As to juveniles um, in adult court, um, I will continue as I have before in applying the law to um, specific facts and make sure that we are reserving again um, treatment of juveniles as adults in the most serious of cases. Obviously, representing Christian is one of my um, great privileges in my professional career. And we did that because we were very um, concerned about the judgment of the state attorney and placing a 12-year-old in solitary confinement and subjecting a 12-year-old to the adult system when at that time, the law has since changed, but he was facing a mandatory day-for-day life sentence for the rest of his life. On well, a few of the cases that have come up here in Northeast Florida in recent years, of obviously one of the big ones here in Jacksonville was the case of Michael Dunn. And state, current state attorney Angela Corey has faced accusations from your campaign as well of overcharging some of these cases. You know, What do you think Angela's done in overcharging these cases, and how do you ensure that you feel you won't overcharge these cases to ensure that these people get convictions? The pro there's a, the problem with overcharging. Um, I, I see there there's two significant consequences of overcharging. The first is the expense to the taxpayer. So in the case of Michael Dunn, um, some folks, some legal experts suggest that had he been a pr- charged with second degree murder, um, the state attorney's office could have obtained the same sentence, and that is life in prison for his crime, without the taxpayer being burdened with the expense of a double of trying the case twice, which I understand cost us almost a million dollars. The second consequence of overcharging is a loss of confidence and trust in the criminal justice system. So when we overplay our hand, 
when we overcharge, we lose the confidence of the community. And that has serious consequences for us all. So as to your question about how I will approach um, charging, the same way I did as an assistant state attorney, applying the law to the facts and charging what the evidence supports. The ethical obligation of the prosecutor is to only inform or indict, and that is bring charges against someone if there is a reasonable probability of conviction supported by the evidence. I did that for 12 years. I intend to do it again. When you mentioned trust and the, and the role of the state attorney in building trust within the community, how will you specifically build trust in the community and the state attorney's office? The old-fashioned way, incrementally, day by day, case by case, doing the right thing for the right reasons, accepting responsibility when we make a mistake, being accountable for mistakes, learning from them, and always being honest. That's how I intend to build trust. I intend to be very involved in the community. I intend to um, obviously work very hard, and every morning I will wake up focused on making a difference in the Fourth Circuit. That's why I've decided to run for this office. I became a prosecutor almost 20 years ago because I wanted to make a difference. I've decided to jump into politics and run for this office and become the state attorney for the very same reason, because I care to make a difference. So I intend to earn trust from this community um, in the way that I did it before as an assistant state attorney, and that is being honest in every case and earnest um, in, in how I approach every case. And I think that leadership that I'll bring to the state attorney's office will be top down. So when my staff and my employees and the people I work with see that I'm focused on one thing, and that is doing what's right for the right reasons, that will permeate and um, create a culture in that office, will, which will then impact our entire community. Melissa Nelson, she's one of three candidates for state attorney. Coming up just one week from today on the Florida primary, that's going to take place on August 30th. Tune in all week long as we continue to spotlight the state attorney's race and the public defender's race here in Florida.